Praise God. What another great week. Uh, man, I'm telling you what, 2020 is flying, even with all that we've had going on this year, uh, with the storms, with the, the, the COVID, um, God has still blessed us with a, a great year. God is doing amazing things. Uh, we're so excited that you join us here on our podcast for Adult and Teen Challenge. I've got a lot to say today, so I want to really jump right into this. If you have your Bibles, go to Hebrews chapter 6. Verse 9 through 12, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 9 through 12. Um, if, if you don't have your Bible, if you're driving down the road, I say this every week, you know, keep your hands on the wheel. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Matter of fact, I, I just got in this morning, just was uh, listening to some stuff um, to start my day, to be encouraged in the Lord. And so uh, let's jump into this. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 9 through 12 says, But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation. Though we speak in this manner, for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise." Father, I thank you for this opportunity to minister your word this morning and for the technology that allows this word to go out over these podcasts. And I pray for each and every one that's listening, that you'd give them ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive what the Spirit of the Lord would say to them today. And Father, we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, listen, I, real quickly, I just want to cover this. We, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. Uh, many people like to think they know. Uh, we can look at a lot of different things. I, I truly, one of my beliefs is that the Apostle Paul had something to do with this, whether him and, and Silas wrote this together or whatever. But but as we, as we look at this and as we go through uh, the scriptures, you can see a lot of things that, that kind of lead us towards believing that it's the Apostle Paul. But whoever wrote it, this one thing that we know for sure about this person is they were very educated. They, they, they understood the things of God. They understood the history of creation and mankind. It was a person that was uh, uh, devout in their efforts to help others come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It was a person that had a, a life uh, it, to please God. They lived a life to please God and they would want to draw others to the same saving knowledge. And so I, I believe whoever the writer of Hebrews was, th this, this person, their heart and their whole purpose behind writing this letter was that people would come to a greater knowledge uh, of Jesus Christ and, and a salvation in him and a life lived for him. Uh, if, you, if you look at Hebrews chapter 6, beginning in verse number 11, it says, And we desire that each of you, each one of you, say, that's me. If you're wherever you're at, just say, that's me. You can say it under your breath if you want. You don't want anybody to hear you, but just say, that's me. He says, I desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end that you do not become sluggish. But imitate those that who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Listen, we're living in a time right now where it would be easy if, if I don't know if you're a boxing fan or not. You know, I used to watch a lot of boxing and different things like that. But uh, you know, you'd see a guy that was just—he was in the corner, he was up against the rope, and he was just getting pummeled. And and so, what would the manager do? The manager would throw in the towel. The fight was over. Let's not let my guy get hurt. And, uh, but you never knew if there was a, a, a comeback on the verge. 
And, uh, and, you know, of course, you don't want people to get hurt. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, right now, I feel like in, in 2020, in the world that we're living in, it's like that boxer and we're up against the ropes and, and you know, you've got tornadoes and you've got, you've got politicians, you've got Black Lives Matter, you've got defund the police, you've got COVID, you've got all of these things. And sometimes we're just like, man, we're, we're up against the ropes and we're thinking, Lord, is this ever going? And, and the, the writer of Hebrews is saying, don't become sluggish desire to have the same diligence, the same assurance of hope until the end. I, I believe when we study God's word, there's, there's two things specific that we need to understand about God's word. Number one, you need to make God's word personal. You know, every morning I, I read God's word and I make it personal. Lord, what are you saying to me? I know this, this book was written 2000 years ago, more than, you know, the, the books of, of, Moses, uh, the, the Pentateuch and the, uh, the book of Job, I mean, so much longer than that, you know, six, seven thousand years ago, but, but the, the New Testament 2000 years ago, but make it personal because this is the deal. God is not caught up in time. You and I are caught up in time. We're always looking at our watch, always looking at our smartphone, always wanting to know what time it is. God is not caught up in time. And so when, when, when the writers of the Bible, put these things together. Yeah, they may have been talking to a people there, but I believe God canonized that and put it in his word so that it was for everybody. Uh, the apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, he says, all scripture from, from Genesis to Revelation, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable. It's profitable. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. It's profitable for you and for I. All scripture is profitable for us. Make it personal in your life. Then the second thing you need to understand is not only do you make it personal, but we need to, to, to understand and study the word of God. Don't just, you know, I read the Bible every single morning, but we need to study the word of God. Get in there and, and understand this. And, and I don't mean this to be ugly. I know there's a lot of people that just think the King James Bible is the authentic Bible, but but understand this, the, the King James was not the first English translation. The Tyndale Bible was the first English translation, but, but even within that, understand that when the King James Bible was written, it was written under King James' authority and, and written in a specific way. There are so many things within the King James Bible that are not completely accurate because the authors wrote it in somewhat of a fearful fashion understanding that the, that the king was going to be reading this. So we need to, we, we, we've, man, we've got so many more great translations of the Bible. Now we need to study these things. Uh, I'm getting ready to start taking a class in Greek. I love reading the Strong's Concordance and good commentaries and, and different books that really break down scripture. So we need to study God's word. Don't just read it, but, but dig into it. In order to make it personal, you need to understand truly what it has to say. Second Timothy chapter two, verse 15, he says, be diligent to present yourself approved of God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth rightly dividing it, making sure you understand exactly what it says, not, not just taking someone else's word for it, not just reading the Bible and saying, oh, well, that English word means this in today's context. What Go back to the original. Spend some time taking the scripture and dissecting that scripture so that we can walk it out. So as we make the word of God personal, as we study the word of God, as we, as we understand we cannot 
grow sluggish. We need to, we need to have this diligence and this full assurance to walk this thing out. Why is all this important? Because I believe right now, more than any time ever, we need to walk out a sought salvation. We need to walk out a sought salvation. People in the world are looking to us, the church. People are looking to us and they're wanting to know, why do you have this joy in the midst of all that's going on? How can you have peace in the midst of turmoil? How can you have such confidence in this God that you do not see when all that's going on in the world? People want those answers. There are going to be many that will try to mock us. There will be many that will try to uh, criticize us, critique us, and, and different things. But when we stand true to the word and we know in whom we believe and we tr- trust that word, we make it personable, personal, we, we study it out to show ourselves approved, and we can stand in faith and not be moved by these things. I'm not saying you have to memorize the Bible. I'm not saying that you have to have every answer for every person. But when you have a confidence in the things of God, people that are looking to you, people that are seeking after truth, will come to you and say, I want to know what you have. Tell me about this salvation. People want to know, and we need to have a salvation. We need to walk it out, a sought-after salvation. The Bible says that as Christians, we must have a diligence. Now, the Greek definition for diligence means an earnest in accomplishing, promoting, or striving after anything. We need to have a diligence to to strive after the things of God. Then he says we need to have a full assurance. A full assurance means to have a certain confidence in something. We need to have a full assurance. Jesus has come once and he's coming again in glory and in power. We know that the tomb is empty, that he ascended into heaven, that he poured his blood out of the mercy seat, that he poured his Holy Spirit out upon each and every one of us that have called upon the name of Jesus. We need to have a full assurance that the word of God is truth and the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. We need to have a full assurance that when we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, he becomes God in us, God for us, God before us. We need to have this full assurance. And number three, we need to have a hope. This hope is not a, a happiness. I heard a guy say at church last night, he said, he said, listen, he said, happy's fleeting. Joy, I have the joy of the Lord. Even when things aren't going good, I have joy. Hope is a joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. That's what hope is, is a confident expectation. Listen, I have a confident expectation that no matter how this thing winds up, if this is the end, if this is not the end, if Jesus comes back tomorrow, if Jesus comes back a hundred years from now, I know this, that I have made Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior, that His Spirit lives in me, that I'm doing the work that He's called me to do. I'm not always perfect, but I thank God that He uses me and that I'm going to inherit a, a, a place in heaven to be with Him for eternity. I have this confident expectation. So because I have this diligence, this earnestness, this full assurance, this confident expectation, when I go out and I walk, whether it's in Walmart or down the street or wherever I'm at, I don't have to be preaching in a church. I don't have to be wearing a suit. I don't have to tell people that I'm a Christian. People are going to look at me and say, listen, there is something different about you. I want to know what's going on in your life. And then I can begin to share with those people that, that, that I'm a born-again believer and that they too can have the same peace, the same confidence, the same assurance that I have if they'll make Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior. We need to be promoting with confidence that our relationship with Jesus Christ is real. The, the disciples of the first century, 
those that walked with Jesus, those that came after him in the book of Acts, they preached with such zeal and such diligence and such confidence that Christ was coming back and they believed in their time that he was coming back then. If, if the apostle Paul, if young Timothy, if James, if, if all these preached with the zeal that they believed that Jesus was going to come back during that first and second century, how much more today should we be declaring that Jesus is coming again in our time? I believe, listen, we don't know the day or the hour, but I believe the season is approaching sooner now than we've ever first believed. And we need to get ready. And not only for ourselves and for our family, but for all of those that we come in contact with, we need to be willing and ready to share the good news and tell people about him with confidence. Those people, the the disciples of old, were willing to die. And many of them did for the cause of Christ. They suffered persecution for their faith and were not willing to back down. They did not shy away from telling others about what they believed despite of government warnings. Listen, Rome, much like uh, what's going on in politics today, there was much rioting. The, the, Nero was was hanging Christians on poles and setting them on fire. Nero was was chaining them in the Colosseum and letting lions uh, 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 tear them apart. But they were staying grounded in their faith and in their belief. Listen, I, I know that we got a lot of things going on right now, but it's not near as bad today as it was in Rome. We need to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 11, 37 through 40 says they were stoned. They were sawn in two were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskin, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all of these, having attained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us. The promise they didn't receive was the promise of the Holy Spirit. But, but we have received that promise. We have received the fact that Jesus Christ has come. Listen, Abraham didn't understand that. Moses didn't get it. David didn't get it. Daniel, but they read about it and they believed in it. Man, can, can you imagine what was going on in the disciples' mind? And, and, and Paul, Paul who studied the scriptures and Paul who, 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 who was a, a Pharisee among Pharisees who was so educated and he knew all the things about the, the Pentateuch and the, and the writings of Abraham and, and, and just all of these, the prophets of old. And yet Paul said, yet I have received that which I believe from those of old. Listen, the writer of Hebrews tells us we cannot afford to be sluggish even though times are bad, it's not as bad as it was back in the Roman times. It was not as bad back here when they were being persecuted and sawn in two and living in caves. God has provided us a better way. Then he goes on and says in verse 12, he says, we should not be sluggish. The word sluggish in the King James Bible is the word slothful. It means apathetic. To be apathetic is to be, listen, now here's several words I want to give to you. To be apathetic is to be uninterested, indifferent, unconcerned, unmoved, uninvolved, disinterested, unemotional, emotionless, dispassionate, lukewarm, and unmotivated, half-hearted. Listen, I believe that many today that call themselves Christians are apathetic. 
They are uninterested in those that are dying, lost, and going to hell. They, they are unconcerned about the things that are going on in the world. They are unmoved by, by some of these things because they're all concerned about themselves. They are dispassionate, lukewarm, and half-hearted. Listen, it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to engage. I believe the word apathetic would describe many in the church in the United States, but we need to press in and not become sluggish. We need to stir up the gift that's in us. We need to stir up that which we believe. We need to understand understand that that we need to share the good news with people we need to share we need to have a sought after salvation the author goes on and he finishes this statement and says but okay he just told us he said listen there, there are some that are apathetic there's some that are sluggish but then he says but we need to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises imitate the disciples of old imitate those who gave their lives for the cause of christ believing that he would come in their lifetime so i need to ask you what do you believe have you become apathetic listen do you think that we have plenty of time i get so discouraged i think i've shared this before and i don't mean to harp on stuff i just when, when i think about things like some of these movies that that they talk about the end of time and and left behind series and and they they make the the time of the tribulation look so you know oh well it's not going to be that bad let me just tell you i believe it's going to be worse than what the hollywood's making it and i'm not going to stick around to find out i'm going on the first load we need to make sure that we're confident in our salvation and that we're telling others about this the soon coming king that jesus christ wants to 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 change and transform our lives and be lord of our lives church we need to wake up jesus is coming back soon and he we hold the answers we he's given his spirit in us we hold the answers that everybody else is looking for Our life should be one that causes others to want the salvation that we have. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 9 through 10 says, But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation. Though we speak in this manner, for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Very quickly, I want to share with you three areas that we, as children of God, must walk in for a sought salvation. Three areas of our life that we need to focus on so that others would desire to have what we have and to know what we know. Number one, we need to have a visible salvation. In verse 10, he says, you have shown See, a, vet, a better salvation, a, a, a sought-after salvation is a visible salvation. Not People, you don't need to walk around telling everybody you're a Christian. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I hear a lot of people say, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. But, but, but listen, look at their fruit. I want to have a sought salvation. What do people see when they see me in the life that I live? See, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32 through 34 says, But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle of suffering, partly while you were made spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations. Listen, I believe that we're dealing with some tribulation right now. And partly while you become companies of those who are so treated. For you had compassion on me and my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves. Now, again, I I said I believe that the Apostle Paul had something to do with the writing of Hebrews, because right here, 
In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 34, he says, You had compassion on me in my chains. We know that Paul was in prison. Paul didn't have to go to Rome. Paul chose to go to Rome. God called him. Paul suffered shipwreck. Paul, Paul suffered many beatings, many sufferings, many much hunger. Uh, but yet Paul made the decision, list. I have to make this journey. I have to go. People would come to him. He's in, in a prison, in a, in a house, chained up with a guard. And people would come to listen to him. It was almost like a sideshow. Let's go hear what the lunatic has to say but they 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 saw something they saw something about the apostle paul they saw something different how can this man that has suffered so much have such joy and such confidence in that which he believes and because of it others came to to that belief he had a visible salvation listen Many of us have had many struggles and many sufferings many of us have went through a lot right now we're going through a lot but listen we we understand that God is in us and God is for us. Listen, we need to bear good fruit. Matthew 13 talks about the peril of the seed sown on different ground. And in verse 8, Jesus said, The seed that fell on good ground bears good fruit. What kind of ground are you? How are you living your life? What do people see when they see you? Even in the midst of all that's going on, the trials and the tribulations, do you have joy? Do you have hope? Do you have a love for others? So the very first thing we need to understand is we need to have a visible salvation. The second thing we need to have is we need to have a visible love. A visible love. Don't just tell people, listen, I know we live in the, in the South. Everybody in the South, love you. Love you, man. Hey, love you. Love you. I mean, that's, that's like, listen, no, people in this world don't even have a clue what love means anymore because we just throw love out there so much. I'm not going to get into preaching all the Hebrew and Greek words. I've done that before where I teach on true, what true love really is. And maybe I'll come back to that sometime, but, but we need to understand that, that just because somebody's love you, is that person going to get up at two o'clock in the morning when you call and you have a need? Is that person going to let you move in their house when, when you're down on your luck? Is that person going to be there for you when you need them the most? Be careful who you, you, while that person says they love me are they just spouting off words we need to have a visible visible love not just a vocal i love you but a visible love we need to have a visible love for god matthew chapter 22 verse 37 through 38 jesus said you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind this is the first and great commandment. We need to love God with everything that's within us. It needs to be a visible love that people see us out there doing things, not for recognition. Hey, I'll change that widow's flat tire as long as you call the, the local newspaper and let them know that I'm doing it. Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll feed, I'll order a truck full of food and hand it out as long as the newspaper comes. Listen, we just got out of 60 days revival. This blows my mind. This just cracks me up. I saw this the other day on Facebook. Somebody posted on Facebook that said, listen... Uh, revival's coming. If you really want revival, you need to come out. And they listed three things. And one of them was an worship event that's going to be taking place at Dogwood Park. Eddie James is coming in for a night. So for like two or three hours, and people want to say, hey, if you really want revival, come in, come out because Eddie James, big name singer, is going to be there. Listen, we just came through 60 days of revival, 60 days every single night of preaching the gospel, and nobody showed up because it didn't fit their schedule. But Eddie James can come, and I love Eddie James, don't get me wrong. But see, it's, it's what the nation looks like when they truly see revival. What, does, what do people look at 
when they see how much you love God? Do you love God when you're listening to worship music with your hands raised? Or do you love God even in the midst of the storm? Even in the midst of trials and tribulations? Are you willing to pull over on a hot day, on a rainy day? Are you willing to to help those that are in need? We need to have a love for God. And B, we need to have a love for others. John 13, 34 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love, that you love one another as I, listen, Jesus loved us so much that he gave his life for us. What are we willing to do? Hebrews 6, 10 says, for God is not unjust to forget your work and your labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Listen, a love for God stemming from his own love for us is the primary motive of all Christian service. Let me say that again. A love for God stemming from his love for us is the primary motive for all Christian service. To love others is one way to show a love for him. Listen, we need to have a a visible love, a visible love that people can see, not just what you tell them. We need to have a visible salvation. We need to have a visible love. And number three, we need to have a visible faith. A visible faith. Do people see your faith? Hebrews 6.12 says, Imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Imitate those that through faith and patience inherit. Do you have a visible faith? John 13.15 says, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done for you. What has Jesus done? Go through and read your Bible. What are the things that Jesus did? Mark 11.22 says, Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. What that actually means is have the God kind of faith. Do you believe? I think about the man that came to Jesus with the demoniac son. He said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Are we crying out to God and say, Lord, I believe in this, but I struggle in this area, but help my unbelief. Let's just get real and have the faith of God, understanding that there's some things I don't understand, but I want to know. I want, to have a, I want to have a better faith for salvation so that I can tell others about it. Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The, the deal is this, is understanding the scripture that a lot of people will pray that prayer, but they don't believe in the heart. He said, you got to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. There are people that will make statements with their mouth, but don't believe in their heart. We need to have a visible salvation that people, or a visible faith rather, that people can see our heart for others. That we have made Jesus Christ Lord of our life. Acts 2.38 says, Peter said to them, repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. What is water baptism? Listen, I don't believe you have to be baptized in water to complete your salvation, but water baptism is an outward sign of an inward change. People need to see your faith. People need to see that you believe what you say that you believe, that you don't just believe it on Sunday in church, but that you believe it on Monday when everything's going wrong. We need to have a faith for salvation. We need to have a faith in healing. Do we, do, do we believe for healing for everybody else, but not for ourselves? Do we really believe what the Bible says about healing? I heard a guy say one time, good friend of mine, love him to death, great man of God. He said, he said I, I don't ask God for miracles. I, you know, God does as he wills. Listen, I believe we need to ask God for miracles. It's one of the nine gifts that we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I believe that God wants us to ask for miracles. I see miracles take place every day. I see people that are bound, that society's given up on, get free, and God does a work in their life, and 
then they go on and they become great husbands, great wives, phenomenal preachers, Sunday school teachers. They just become godly people in an ungodly world. I see miracles take place every day. I lay hands on people. Do every person that I lay hands on, do they get healed? No, but I keep laying hands on because what about those that have been healed? I'm going to keep on laying hands on people. I have a faith for healing. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, Who himself bore our sins on, the, on his own body on the tree, that, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Listen, he died for us by whose stripes we were, past tense, healed. James 5, 16 says, Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that they may be healed. The effect of fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Listen, we need to have a, a visible faith for healing. We need to have a visible faith for deliverance. God wants to deliver people. John 8, 32 says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. That, that, that doesn't mean you have to keep going to meetings for the rest of your life. That means that you need to make Jesus Lord of your life. You need to repent of your sins and you need to turn. You need to have your mind renewed to the things of God and he will deliver you. He will set you free. It's not once an addict, always an addict. It's, it's Jesus Christ, Lord of my life, who has delivered me out of my bonds. John chapter 14, verse 12 says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me and the works that I do, he will also do in greater works than these will he do because I go to the Father. Listen, Jesus has called us. Jesus has anointed us. Jesus has filled us with his spirit. Go out and share your faith for deliverance that people can be set free. We need to have a faith, a visible faith for peace, especially in these times we're living in. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. Man, God wants us to have peace. We need to have faith for provision. Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Listen, I have a visible faith for provision. I got so many, I've probably shared this before, but I've had so many phone calls when this Corona thing uh, broke out and places were shut down and I had other ministries, other teen challenges. They would call and they said, man, I bet you guys are struggling up there in Livingston, Tennessee because we're in the country and a lot of teen challenge centers are in big cities. And they said, I bet you guys are struggling financially. No, because I believe God is my provision. We don't send our students out on the street to beg before Walmart stores. We don't, we don't have our, our, our people out on lawnmowers doing lawn crews 60 hours a day. We don't, we don't have a catering business. Our, our, our people come to us to be discipled. Our people come to us to know the Word of God. Our people come to us to, to be taught how to live, not to, to work for their, uh, to, to feel like they have to work for something. We raise our money on our knees. We, we pray that God would send people our way, and God does. God has sent us many partners. I, I, many of you that are listening, I hope, uh, are partners of this ministry. And we could not do what we do without you, but the reality is we can't do what we do without God. And the way that we do that is God speaks to your heart, and then you give to us because you see good fruit. I believe God for a visible faith for provision. Listen, we need to be diligent we need to be confident. We need to be full of hope to know that we have a salvation that others need to be seeking. P let people see the joy of your salvation. Let people see the love uh, that you have for them in manifestation. Let people see your faith in the midst of a faithless world. Don't be moved by what everybody else says or, or what people are going to say about you. Walk out your faith. The disciples that walked with Jesus believed in his return was near 2,000 years ago. We need to believe even more so today. 
The writer of Hebrews, some 30 years after Christ's uh, ascension, believed his return was near. I can tell you today, his return is closer now than ever before. So let me ask you a question. For those of you that are born again, for those of you that have made a decision to make Jesus Christ Lord of your life, will you walk out your salvation with fear and trembling? Will you share your faith with others that they will come to know Him before it's too late? Is your life in Christ one that others want to have? I'm going to ask that one again, and that's the one I really want you to ponder. Is your life in Christ one that others want to have? Do you have a sought salvation? Do you have a visible relationship with the Lord in every area of your life? If not, change it. Maybe you're listening today and you're not saved. And you say, listen, I, I want to know more about this, this relationship with Jesus. Pray, cry out to him today. Call us. Let us know. We'll, we'll pray with you. But we need to make a decision to make Jesus Christ Lord of our lives. And then we need to walk it out. We need to follow his word, live by his example, have diligence and not be apathetic. Hebrews 6, 9 says, But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. Listen, be confident in better things that God has for us. Father, I thank you again for this wonderful day. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that indwells me. I thank you for your anointing and for the opportunity to preach your word. I thank you for each and every one that's listened. I pray for those that are born again, Lord, that they would cry out to you and, and ask you for strength and for help and for guidance to, to walk out in their life a sought after salvation. And for anyone that's listening that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I pray that today, that they would make that confession of faith, that they would cry, cry out to you and invite you to come into their heart, repent of their sins, turn from their wicked ways, and make Jesus Christ Lord of their life. That they would get involved in a local church, a discipleship group, and begin to study and learn how to also live a life of a sought-after salvation. We thank you, Lord, and we give you praise for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you again for listening. Have a great week.